on? Is it sort of on? So how many of you have the turkey slump? Oh, come on. You obviously do because you can't even admit it, and you're like halfway asleep, sunk in your chair. I've never seen so many people without proper posture right now because you're slumped over from eating so much food. You guys doing okay? You sure? They are. What happened? You must have had the worst week ever. Go to their house for Thanksgiving next time. Man, right? I just invited a bunch of strangers to your house. Actually, they're family. Those are brothers and sisters in Christ over there. You might venture on that side every once in a while, and you might venture over there, right? Amen? See, we might come without expectation. We might feel this turkey slump. We've been busy. Relatives, all those things have come over, but God isn't in a slump. He's alive and active. Even when we're sleepy, even if some of you barely made it here, God was here. God was there when you woke up. God is still here. God is still active in your life. Have you lost hope? Because if you have, you've come to the place of hope. This is a church of living stones. You're a living stone. You just forgot because you're tired and you slumber and you sleep, but our God doesn't. And so you forgot you're a living stone and, and living stones are fitting together. I know there's a few gaps right here, but you're a living stone. You're a living stone and all the way down. And now we're this temple where the Holy Spirit can come. Get excited. It's okay not to feel excited when you come in, but start to renew your mind and say, we're the body of Christ. And we're not headless. We have a head named Jesus. And the anointing from his head flows to us. The Bible says you've been anointed. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. We should be in awe of that every Sunday. When we get to gather together, that's not the message. I'm going to go get the message right now. Church, we need radical dedication to Jesus and each other. Unfortunately, radical dedication is rarely found in the American church. Communists of previous generations displayed more zeal for their false causes than Western Christians do today for the truth and majesty of Jesus. Recognizing this, Billy Graham, you might know who he is, rebuked the church in America for its lack of zeal for God and for the church. He read a letter written by a student who was writing to his girlfriend to break off their engagement after he had become a communist. I want to read you that letter. We communists have a high casualty rate. We're the ones who get shot and hung and lynched and tarred and feathered and jailed and slandered and ridiculed and fired from our jobs in every other way made as uncomfortable as possible. A certain percentage of us get killed or imprisoned. We live in virtual poverty. We turn back to the party every penny we make above what is absolutely necessary to keep us alive. We communists don't have the time or the money for many movies, concerts, or T-bone steaks, or decent homes or new cars. We've been described as fanatics. We are fanatics. Our lives are dominated by one great overshadowing factor, the struggle for world communism. We communists have a philosophy of life which no amount of money can buy. We have a cause to fight for, a definite purpose in life. We subordinate our petty personal selves into a great movement of humanity. And if our personal lives seem hard or our egos appear to suffer through subordination to the party, 
then we are adequately compensated by the thought that each of us in a small way is contributing to something new and true and better for mankind. There is one thing in which I'm dead earnest, and that is the communist cause. It is my life, my business, my religion, my hobby, my sweetheart, my wife, my mistress, my bread and meat. I work at it in the daytime. I dream of it at night. It holds on me. It grows, not lessens as time goes on. Therefore, I cannot carry on a friendship, a love affair, or even a conversation without relating to this force, force which both drives and guides my life. I evaluate people, books, ideas, and actions according to how they affect the communist cause and by their attitude toward it. I've already been in jail because of my idea, ideas, and if necessary, I'm ready to go, go before a firing squad. That's passion. That's radical passion. But does that sound like somebody else in the Bible named Paul? He wrote almost the same thing because he was so passionate about Jesus and the church. He said, this stuff is radical. This stuff changes your life. You don't just casually come to it. You're on fire. And when you're not on fire, you get on your knees and you say, God, fill me with fire because I can't do it. When's the last time you thought about the church and you thought about Jesus like that? When you said, every meal I have is nothing. I need the bread from heaven. When did you love each other so much and pray and serve each other before yourself? When does the church come before you? See, Jesus in John 13 would set the pattern for what we're talking about this week, and it's radical service. It's to serve. See, we've lightened that word. When we think of serve, it's so casual. I may do it, I may not. If I'm on the schedule, if I'm not on the schedule, Jesus is saying, this is blood and guts, people. This is radical stuff to serve. Well, it, it may not make me look good or be what I'm talented at. We get on our hands and knees and wash feet. See, in John 13, that's what Jesus does. He sets the pattern for a radical service. John 13, starting in verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Don't forget that. Because service is the fullest expression of Jesus' love right now. The evening meal is important. You know, we do that thing called communion. It's happening right now. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Now watch what it says. This is so important. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, I love the guy, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash your feet, Peter, you have no part with me. When he had finished washing their feet, 
He put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very, very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, what does he say? It might be good if you do them. Maybe if it's comfortable, you might get around to doing it. No, you will be blessed if you do them. Are you missing the blessing because you're afraid and fearful? He does something and he says something to them and says, unless I do this to you first, you'll have no part in me. See what I love about this whole thing. It's a picture of grace. See, if we're going to serve his servants, understand grace. Do you understand grace? Or you're like me, you'll wrestle with it. That even when I catch a little bit of grace, I wrestle with it. But then thank you, Lord, that he expresses his amazing grace one more time. It says, Brian, here it is again. And I walk in his grace. You see, his servants understand grace. Why do we serve? Because he first served us. Think about it. Picture Jesus getting on his knees for you to pick up your feet and wash them. Wherever you're at right now, he did that for you. In fact, you can't truly understand the heart of serving till you let him serve you and wash your feet. You can't give till you understand he first gave to you. Service without grace is just good works, and a lot of people do that. The world is great at service, but we're talking about God's service, not good service. But as Christ followers, we can only give what's been given to us. Jesus said in the Gospels, freely you have received, freely give. What have we received? His grace, his love. It's our motivation. John 13 says he's full, showing them the full extent of his love. When we understand the depths of love in his heart, how he washed feet and went to the cross. When I remember how he saved me, it motivates me to serve. I love the movie. How many of you have seen Les Miserables? Not the musical, 1998 version, Liam Neeson. Okay, then your assignment is it's my favorite movie of all time. 1998 version, Liam Neeson. Everybody watches it. Every small group, every group, every individual. Watch, I'm telling you, seriously, Victor Hugo, who wrote this book, every character is a picture of grace and law and how God works grace into people's lives. Nothing against the musical, but I'm telling you, the 1998 version paints the picture of the book so good. Jean Valjean is a convict who gets out of prison for stealing a piece of bread when he was a youth. And it shows him as an adult, he's released, going door to door, being rejected because he has a yellow criminal passport and no one will take him in. And in the movie, at the end of the day, he sits on a bench, he's lying down and someone comes up to him and says, you can't sit there. He says, I've tried everywhere, leave me alone. And then the person looks at him, the stranger, and says, you haven't tried there. And he points to the only door that has a light on it. Go try there. And he does. Watch this clip. The light's lowered. Do you have any food you can spare for me? Come in. Look, I'm a convict. My name is Jean Valjean. I've served 19 years hard labor. They let me out four days ago. I'm on parole. 
I have to go all the way to Dijon to report by Monday, or they'll send me back to prison. So here's my passport. I can't read, but I know what it says. He's very dangerous. Monsieur, you're welcome to eat with us as my guest. I'm a convict. You saw my passport. I know who you are. You, you're going to let me inside your house. I don't want to hear anything more about it. I'm sorry to disturb you. You caught him. But I had my eye on this man. Oh, and... thank God. I'm very angry with you, Jean Valjean. What happened to your eye, Monseigneur? Didn't he tell you he was our guest last night? Oh, yes. After we searched his knapsack and found all this silver, he claimed <laughs> that you gave it to him. Yes? Of course I gave him the silverware. But why didn't you take the candlesticks? That was very foolish. Madame Gillot, fetch the silver candlesticks. They're worth at least 2,000 francs. Why did you leave them? Hurry. Monsieur Valjean has to get going. He's lost a lot of time. Did you forget to take them? Are you saying he told us the truth? Of course. Thank you for bringing him back. I'm very relieved. Release him. You're really letting me go? Didn't you understand the bishop? Madame Gillot, offer these men some wine. They must be thirsty. Thank you. And don't forget. Don't ever forget. You've promised to become a new man. Promise? Why are you doing this? Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil. With this silver, I've bought your soul. I've ransomed you from fear and hatred. And now I give you back to God.
See, that's salvation. That's salvation right there. It's a picture of grace. See, we all have that yellow note saying, I'm a convict. I'm a sinner. There's nothing. Don't let me in. No one else wants you. And Jesus takes you in. And it so affects his life that he serves and cares for people and falls in love with a woman who ends up being a prostitute. And he rescues her from being condemned. But she is sick and dying. And, and I know there's not a lot of context, but I want you to watch this part. Because he's so affected by what happened to him. Watch what he does for someone else. But this, again, this is also a picture of what Jesus does for us as the bride of Christ every time we come to communion. Watch this clip. Oh man, is there a sec that second clip? It must have got deleted. All right, it's okay. Man, it's, it's the clip I wanted to show you. Because if you can picture this woman who's diseased, been abused, she's only a prostitute to care for her child. She's about to be condemned by the law. And Jean Valjean comes in, he says, I take her. And then they care for her and he cleans her up where she looks beautiful. And he carries her to his table and sits her down and he feeds her. It's a picture of grace. It's a picture of what Jesus does for us. He served her. He carried it out just as Jesus carried us to his table when, he, when we were diseased and sick. You see, religion says I serve to be accepted. Grace says I'm accepted, so I serve. I don't serve to be loved. I serve because I am loved. That's what powered Jesus' serve. He was secure in the Father's love. He received before he gave. See, do you wrestle with grace? Let's be honest. Do you, under, do you understand the concept of grace? Sometimes we can see if we wrestle with grace and receiving from Jesus when other people serve us. Do you wrestle when other people serve you? What if they give to you? I've heard it said so many times that I don't like to be served, but I serve others. You may even pull Jesus' own words out saying, the son of man came to serve, not to be served. But here's the problem. Most of our unwillingness to be served is masked as humility, but it's really pride underneath. Jesus is serving you through others. It's a picture of his grace, but you won't let him. Remember he said to Peter, unless you let me wash your feet, you have no part in me. In other words, it's hard to give true grace unless you've received it and continue to receive it. That every time we do communion, he carries you to the table. Let him carry you. And then he calls us to do the same. See, we have a lot of motivations for serving. And really most of us wrestle with our serve being selfish or for selfish reasons because our worth is being sought in people and not in God. Ask yourself, do I see others as Christ sees them? If I don't, I judge, compare, and become selfish and afraid of people. I'll need their praise and I'll fear their rejection. See, serving frees us from those things. See, we are driven. We are driven by performance. Sorry. We are driven by performance. Think of those words. Driven, get it done, performance, 
worth and value in others who have a darkened view like my own. But Jesus lived a life that said, I will serve you with no expectations. He was driven by love. When Jesus washed feet, he knew where he came from and where he was going. In other words, identity. He was secure in the Father's love and his identity and worth. Think of it. It was undignified. He's a king, and he stripped down to what a slave wore, a servant, and did what a servant would do. That's secure in the Father's love. Only a son can do that, not a spiritual orphan who needs recognition or who fears being undignified. That's a slave. That's a spiritual orphan. But we are adopted by the king with full rights who give up their rights and put fear away and be undignified in our serve. He could wash feet because he knew who he belonged to. He didn't have to prove anything to anybody. I love it in men's ministry. And Tim, you need to make a shirt. We'll probably get sued for copyright. But we did a book and it has a motto. And men, if you remember this, you need to say it and we need to memorize this. I do too because I got to look at my sheet because I want to say it right. Nothing to hide, say it with me, nothing to prove, nothing to fear. That's sonship. That's being a daughter. That's what Jesus was. Do we love each other enough to become each other's servant? Jesus said, do this for each other. Show the expression of love. Embarrass yourself. Lower yourself. Look like a slave like I did. You see, serving is supernatural. Here's a definition for that. We serve with a supernatural love and power, his supernatural love and power flowing through you and I to each other in the world. See, lots of people serve and do good things in the world, but what God wants is for Christ to serve through you in his power. First Peter says this, whoever serves, let it be as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. See, even the things we think we can do, we can't. We need Jesus, just like the video doesn't work. I'm just hoping it got the message across. But it's supernatural love and power that fuel our serve to each other and the world. See, in the book, he connects serving with the gifts of the Spirit and the supernatural power of God. If we want the supernatural to happen in our church and in our serve, we need to pray It says they tarried before they carried the message. To tarry means to Greek. In the Greek, to sit down. They tarried to receive the power of the Holy Spirit before they were witnesses. We get it wrong. We try to be a witness without tarrying before God and praying for power. It's to wait and rest. It's a picture of what God wants And think of this. It was one of the last things that Jesus said on earth to his disciples. Tarry and wait from power on high. Then you'll be my witnesses. Let me ask you some questions that Francis Chan asked in his book. Do you see your serve as supernatural? Did you know the Holy Spirit is the power you need to serve? Did you know you have gifts and talents that you have to claim as a part of your inheritance in Christ? Let me ask you some other questions that he asked. Why do we accept the supernatural when it comes to Satan, but not God? Do we have good activities in our church or God moments in our church? How would it transform our serve if we used our gifts to edify and serve each other? And he, he mentions the Corinthian gifts. 
In Corinth, Paul explained every member in the church was given a supernatural ability to bless others and serve and edify each other in the church. These abilities he called manifestations. God intended for the church to experience him through the spirit of God. Does it excite you to think that God can move through a human body? This is Francis Chan questions. To speak through each one of us, to love through each other, Church, we have a clearer picture of Satan moving than a spirit-filled man or woman moving in God's power. Listen, these are supernatural gatherings that look otherworldly with love, power, humility, gifts, and worship. Were you ready for that? Or were you so absorbed in yourself that you forgot why we're here? Shouldn't a spirit-filled man or woman be memorable? God wants his people awed. I want to show you one of the gifts that he mentions in the book, the gift of prophecy. In the Old Testament, Moses is prophesying, and suddenly the elders begin to prophesy, and I love Joshua. He has such zeal for Moses. He's like, Moses, tell them to stop. Only you can do that, Moses. Only you're gifted to do that. And Moses says this. He says, I wish that all God's people had his spirit and prophesied. Well, God felt the same way. In fact, that's probably where Moses got it. Because in Joel, it says that one day, the promised Holy Spirit would come and they would prophesy. And then it's quoted in Acts. Listen to what it says in Acts. In the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even all my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Now listen to Corinthians, and this is my whole point. How this gift edifies or serves the body of Christ. But if... An unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying. They are convicted of sin and brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their heart are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, explaining, God is really among you. They'll hear the secrets of their heart. God is truly among you. And Corinthians says, follow the way of love. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. I want that TBA. God wants his people to be supernatural, moving in his power in this thing that's called the church. Where it's not one person like Moses, but a church walking in supernatural power and love. Paul wanted all believers showing up with confidence that God wants to move through them, possessing them, manifesting himself through them to build up those who have gathered. It's Francis Chan. Listen, the church is the only one. I love this about the church. The church is the only one that will take a person who is repentant, who has no business serving in any position in the world, and put them at the top. Why? Holy Spirit. The world would never do that, but God would. He purposely picked the despised thing, the things that are not wise, to shame the wisdom of the world. And he says, some of you were they. That's me. That was me. Who humbled themselves to let Christ shine through their weaknesses humbly wielding the gifts of the Spirit, humbly serving with their talents, manifesting the presence of God. Do you approach the gathering with that expectation? Is there a sense of faith being built up together? Or do we have unbelief? We have to claim our inheritance in Christ, believe what the Bible says, not tradition or denomination, but the word of God and the power of God. He works miracles. This is Galatians. It says in Galatians that he works miracles among us and gives us Holy Spirit, not because we observe the law. In other words, because we, we don't deserve it, 
But because we believe what we heard, what do we hear? It's in the word of God, wherever my Bible is. I should probably know where it's at. It's in the word of God. God is the God of the impossible. He's a living, active, resurrected king. And I'm talking about the supernatural contributions of the body of Christ that you don't think you have because you don't think you're worthy. But he bought you with the blood of Jesus and gave you the gift of Holy Spirit to edify and minister to each other. I'm talking about that. See, our Father in heaven thinks his children are extremely gifted. He's given you talents. He's given you gifts. But you have to claim your inheritance and walk in those things that the Bible says, humble yourself and believe. The gifts are here so that the gift giver gets glory and a resurrected king is displayed and the church is edified to each other. Not our cleverness, not our ingenuity, but display as a servant, a son, a daughter of power, washing feet filled with the Holy Spirit. Use your gift, whatever it is. Hospitality, serving, whatever it is. Surrender your talents. Surrender your priorities. Francis Chen says this, if we give up on the goal of having all members, all members exercise their spiritual gifts, we are destined for perpetual immaturity. You see, serving is and can be uncomfortable and undignified. Often we are only willing to serve in ways that we are comfortable or feel we have the ability but God will often call us to serve outside our comfort zone so he can shine. See, it doesn't make sense that a king would look and act like a servant. Can you imagine the conversation the father was having with the son in the upper room? Son, you notice there's no servant around to wash you and your disciples' feet? Yes, father, I want you to do it. Now, if that had been us in front of all these people, we would have said, God, is that you? That must be the devil. You want me to wash feet in front of all these people, humble myself? But Jesus said, I'll wash their feet. The one in whom all things were made by him and for him, it says in Colossians, looked like a slave and washed feet, dirty, grimy, and gross feet. Heidi Baker, who's a missionary in Africa, has an expression that I love. It says, go lower still. Go lower still. Do you understand what she's saying? Humble yourself and keep humbling yourself. Go to the lowest place. Go to the lowest position. Humble yourself. Dignity is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Last time I checked. You will miss the fullness of blessing if you aren't willing to release your dignity and wash feet. And I'm talking figuratively. Mary Magdalene was the first to see Jesus after he resurrected. Think about it. A woman was the first person in a culture where women wouldn't be the first person to see. The first person to see a resurrected Jesus is Mary Magdalene. But if she, if she would never love, gave up her dignity and let Jesus cast seven demons out of her, she would have had that moment. Bartimaeus would never would have been healed if he hadn't broken social norm and started yelling for the son of David to heal him. And Peter would never have been ready to serve if he hadn't let Jesus wash his feet. Something I say with my kids. How many of you have a, a caveman son, a young son at home that you got to train how to eat? It takes one to know one. It's like, you know, this method. 
And I'm like, oh, I have a son now. I can't do this anymore. Oh, I have a wife. I probably shouldn't do that anymore, right? Well, Jason, we kind of have this family thing when I'm telling Jason that, okay, put your left arm under the, under the table, grab your fork. Here's how you hold the fork. You know what I mean? And so we kind of came up with this joke that they'll say they're like refined, dignified, respectable. And we kind of joke about it. But here's the deal. In the church, refined, dignified, and respectable that's centered in pride will never experience the blessing of Jesus. They'll be knocking on the outside of the wedding feast because pride so captured their hearts they couldn't risk getting out of the boat and walk on the water with Jesus. Some of the greatest moments I've had were times I got past my uncomfort and fear and acted in faith. See, God says, do not fear. Fear will always paralyze the plan of God in your life because the plan of God will always be challenging. If faith was easy, everyone would be doing it. Serving is uncomfortable. But it's the will of God to break the tendency in us to be comfortable and want to dwell with the familiar. If you're going to follow Jesus, he will break your tendency to be comfortable. He will confront your prideful dignity and unbelief. He'll confront everything about your life. Until we confront our prayerlessness as a church, we will not be a church of the supernatural. Little prayer, little power. A pastor in Oklahoma wrote named David Hall. Serve in prayer. Probably six months ago, Ellie said something that broke my heart. Now listen, at this church, we're a church who majors on the majors and minors on the minors. So this is my opinion about the gifts of the Spirit. And that's great if you have a different opinion. But I want to tell you this story because I feel like it pertains. Ellie said something that broke my heart. She's heard me pray in the Spirit before, if you know what I'm talking about. And I do that because I want her to see that God has supernatural power in her. And she's heard about how God healed me and brought me back in my 20s and how it wrecked my life for good. But she said, Daddy, why don't I see more of that in the church? I'll leave that answer somewhat open-ended, but I'll say this. It's not because God is holding back. It's according to our faith and expectation. When God's people see that a resurrected king wants to move through them supernaturally, it's going to get real up in here. He's just asking you to believe he lives within you and Holy Spirit wants to flow out of you. When we come to an end of ourselves, we will see his hand move. Serving helps us come to an end of ourselves. Take the lowest places. Go lower still. Be the first to volunteer for what no one else will do. Wash feet. Be undignified in serving him and each other. Don't remain comfortable. It leads to apathy and discontent and a lack of presence in your life. Band, you can come up. You see, we've been doing communion. And I already knew going in this, I had the uncomfortable message because of the things that God laid on my heart. But we've been doing communion the past couple weeks and it has been powerful. And I knew today would be a challenge. But let's be honest. The past couple communions have been comfortable. Maybe last week was a little uncomfortable, but it was powerful. But you see, Jesus did something at the communion meal with his disciples. He washed 
their feet in front of everybody. It wasn't private for each one, it was public. This morning, this morning I want you to consider washing someone's feet. You don't have to, but he commanded us to. This is the pattern of lowering yourself. Serving is never about ourselves, but about Jesus and others. I know it's uncomfortable, but we have to be a people who go lower still, just like Jesus did. Listen, he called us not to be comfortable, but to be the church. I wanna invite Jen to come up. We're gonna sort of pattern, if you do this, what we're gonna do. Do you wanna go ahead and take your shoes off? Men, what is the last time you served your wife? When's the last time you served your children? opportunity for a foot washing. Um, one of my sweet friends that's here today actually ended up washing my feet, but I almost missed the opportunity because we were on a schedule and I was kind of in a leadership position that week. Didn't really feel like it was for me. It was for the people that we were serving and um, and, and they still, they kind of snagged me and, and they said, we, we have time for this. And, and it broke me. It was humbling. Um, don't miss the opportunity to be served or to serve. Sometimes it's harder to be served, but we cannot serve unless we've allowed ourselves to be served first. Um, there's, there's feet washing stations around here. Um, sorry, I don't do well without the script. Um, um, Brian will be up here washing feet and you are welcome to come to him. If there's somebody you wanna ask to wash their feet, you can go do that, find somebody. Um, this is just, this is not a time to be ministered to. It's a time to, to be uncomfortable. Go lower still. Allow people to serve you and, and be of service to others if God's prompting you to do that this morning. And it's okay if somebody says no. It's okay if you say no. But don't miss the opportunity to be blessed either. Again, there's no obligation. But God has called us to be the church, not comfortable. So another thing you can do if you don't have anybody, I'm up here. Or if you just want me to do it, I'm here. But if God is speaking to you during the time that we do the next worship songs, 
he just says go, go sit up there. And I believe he's gonna lay on somebody else's heart to go wash your feet. Other of you, it might be your family you bring up. Again, you don't have to do this. But God has called us to be the church. He said, you'll be blessed if you do this. So I wanna challenge you to come out of your comfort zone and this is my last challenge. So you begin to just get in his presence. I want you to picture Jesus washing your feet. That he would do that for you. And if you've never accepted Christ, today is a day of salvation. You can have no part of him unless he figuratively washes your feet, your heart, that he died on the cross for your sins to save you. And it says, call on the name of the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. If that's you, go back to next steps. If you need prayer, go back to next steps. But today as we worship, I have no expectation of baby one person and I'm great with that. I'm totally fine with that. But I want you to know this, you are loved and there is hope. And you have a savior who would stoop down, pick up your feet and wash them. Lord God, we thank you for this time. We put away every hindrance, God, every opinion in the name of Jesus. Savior, come and have your way. Spirit of God, move as you want to move. In Jesus' name, amen.